Hello and welcome to episode number three of Don't Fuck It Up with Jamie and Sabina. Today we have a beautiful guest, Stephanie, and Jamie will do a little introduction to Stephanie, who she is and what we are going to do today. So stay tuned and tune in. Okay, I feel like you've stalked her enough. You could probably introduce her just as well, if not better, than me with all the current events from Instagram. That's <laughs> true. I'm, I'm happy to introduce my beautiful friend, Stephanie. And uh, we've known each other for, gosh, like five years now. Is that right? Four years, five years. Who's counting? I feel like I've known, <laughs> I've known you forever. Uh, but Stephanie is a wealth of knowledge on many, many subjects. And what we're hoping that she'll speak with us a little bit today in honor of International Women's Day is her expertise and her experience through voice coaching. So Mindful Voice is a program that Stephanie created, and she really shares this beautiful gift of intuition and observation in a way that allows empowerment in finding your own voice and really powerfully being able to share it in a way that feels authentic and a way that you feel called to share. So Stephanie, I'll turn it over to you because I would love for you to tell us Maybe a little bit about where Mindful Voice came from and and how you developed the program. Thank you so much. Uh, Jamie and Sabina, I first want to say that my gratitude for being here and I love this podcast. The theme, the title, all of it, Don't Fuck It Up, I think is the most frequently reported inner voice, like self-talk, self talk self deprecating, self-limiting statement that I get reported by my clients. There, or I can say comfortably, we as human beings have a fantastic ability to imagine what could possibly go wrong. And our internal warning is to not do that. Don't fuck it up. And the invitation of your podcast is really to take that a little tongue in cheek and to say, so the stakes are high. So what? You're still a speck on a pale blue dot swirling in a galaxy that's a speck in the entire universe. So don't fuck it up. Shoulder shrug. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> so, yeah. so not to minimize anything that we're doing, but to put it in perspective. That is, yeah, it feels big. And is it, though? Is there anything we could do that would truly alter the course of the universe? Probably not. Would we feel bad? Yeah. But is that temporary? Yes, as all things are. So my work is rooted in that, in that understanding that as human beings, our experience of something is not always in proportion to the reality of something or the true impact of something. I like to quote the statistic that in a broad survey of adult humans in English-speaking countries, the number one fear is public speaking. That is ahead of snakes and death by drowning. I mean, <laughs> and we laugh and we might say that's ridiculous. But if you think about 
what we feel most exposed by, not in just our physical bodies. I think snakes and death by drowning speaks to a very corporeal fear, but something about speaking seems to put our souls at risk. And that's the thing that people will recoil from much more fully than they might a snake. You know, snakes are terrifying, but also not as terrifying as putting my entire heart and soul on the line, perhaps. So this leads to what is our greatest fear, really, and kind of the converse of that also being a greatest fear of ours, that our greatest fear is to be heard by other people. And yet our other greatest fear is that we are not heard and that we don't matter. So my work walks that razor's edge of, okay, so you're afraid no one's going to listen to you and you're afraid someone's going to listen to you. And holding that very tender double-edged sword or holding that double-edged sword very tenderly such that we acknowledge the power that we wield with the spoken voice and we also care for it, hone it, respect it, um, while also knowing that we won't always get it right. So interesting. Do you, in your work and, and what you've noticed with your clients, do you feel like it is more a fear of being misunderstood, of not being able to clearly and powerfully articulate what it is that you are trying to get across? Or do you think the fear for most of us is rooted in not wanting to be vulnerable in the sense of maybe um, – you know, showing showing some of ourselves that might not be popular or that um, may not be may not resonate with the audience that we're speaking to. Like, what what is the root? Let me tug on those threads because you asked a very complex question. I want to make sure I break it down appropriately. So the first thing you said was that is the fear rooted in a worry that we will be misunderstood? And then you said perhaps it would be that parts of us would not be accepted. And then somewhere in there, perhaps that we might not articulate ourselves well, so that either we're saying something and it's taken the wrong way, we're saying something accurate that's not accepted by the people we're talking to, or that our skill, our expression of what's inside actually doesn't come out. So in a way we are misinterpreting ourselves. And those are three really big, really different ideas, three different ways to, to quote the title of your podcast, to potentially fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say I'm, I'm going to step back from there, that the only reason why any of that would happen is some sort of disconnect or misalignment in inward listening and a simultaneous disconnect or misalignment in the listening of our audience. So if I say something perfectly clear to Sabina and Jamie, but Sabina and Jamie, for whatever reason, are hearing something other than the words I've said, and that could happen for any number of reasons. You could be thinking about a place you have to be next, a worry that you have, a similar experience that you've been through, and also possible that I'm not listening to myself quite deeply enough, 
or maybe there's something in me that I haven't expressed articulately enough to really wrap my arms around. And if that's the case, then of course, anything that comes out of my mouth will be a little blurry, a little fuzzy around the edges. And you can only understand the level of precision that I'm expressing at. You can't be more precise than I'm asking you to be, in other words. Um, and then, of course, there's just a difference in understanding the exact same words. Because if you look in an English di dictionary, uh, speaking in English because that's the language of the podcast, we don't have one-to-one -one correspondence. If you look at one word in the dictionary, there's a couple paragraphs underneath there to say what it means, which is to say that there's variability in every word that we're saying. And obviously that has permutations and ramifications as we put words together and make phrases and sentences and oh my God, speeches. <laughs> so let's zoom, zoom way, way back or maybe reel it in from all of that variability and say that this is a listening suggestion or encouragement from from me to you uh not not me to you personally but from i stephanie through my mindful voice practice to the world at large myself included to first listen deeply to ourselves and then we have the opportunity to hone our observational capacity to others and this is the beautiful magic of the work that I do that I don't even pretend to understand that when I am able to listen inside myself, that helps me listen better outside myself. And that has the tertiary effect of supporting everyone that communicates with me to communicate more clearly without my doing anything else but listening better. So we wind it all the way back from what are the, the three ways that we could possibly not communicate what's in our deepest heart to how can I be clear inside myself what my deepest heart is communicating. And that can only lead to clarity, that can only lead to consistency, and that in turn leads to confidence. So one of the common misconceptions that I... Uh, dispel as quickly as I can when I'm describing my voice coaching practice is that I don't help people give a good TED talk. <laughs> I, I can't. No, I can't, oh man. I know, I know. It's such a such a disappointment because the the effect is much more marketable than the cause. But my work is entirely in cause, which is to say process. And the process is if you are listening deeply to yourself and you are, well, let me just pull back the curtain a little bit and say that there's a three-step process inside myself as I'm working with a client. And that is first to get the client to listen deeply enough to say, aha, that's me. <laughs> We've all experienced this um, looking at photos of ourselves, And even if it's like, 90s eyebrows and a fanny pack and I don't I can't even just imagine a, a photo of yourself that's a little cringy and you're like yeah that's me oh god that's me right you still know that's you but for some reason when I play back recordings of people's voices 
or people do this for themselves, they report to me, I can't believe I sound like that. That doesn't sound like me. So step one is to figure out, okay, what's me? What sounds like me? What, what vibrational in, imprints can I wrap my heart around and go, aha, that's me. So that's number one. That's step one of the process is that's me. Number two is that's beautiful. And I firmly believe that there is beauty and strength and power and inspiration and just divinity in every one of our voices. That is, that is the hill I will die on is, oh, some voices are good. Some voices are bad. No, no. All voices are beautiful. And to get from, aha, that voice is me to aha, that voice is beautiful or strong or whatever, fill in your favorite adjective is sometimes a small jump and that makes my work easy. And sometimes it's a big jump because sometime in our lives, somebody, somebody put a wreath of protection around us and they were just like, I will tell you that your voice is too much because the world is going to tell that to you anyway. And I will protect you by being the one to say that to you first. And the tragedy of that wreath of protection is that this so frequently comes from somebody who absolutely loves us. So instead of letting the world hurt us, they say what the world's going to say to us as a cautionary offer. And as a result, they become the source. They become our core memory of that statement of inadequacy, of warning, of danger. Okay. So that's number two, is that's beautiful. And sometimes it takes a short time. Sometimes it takes a long time. And the third one, sometimes I just have to be honest and say that I don't always get to this place with all my clients. The third one, after that's me, that's beautiful, is that's God. And just as Julia Cameron stated so beautifully in the introduction to the artist's way, you can substitute the word God for anything that suggests something larger than ourselves that is divine, that is sacred. So once your voice becomes sacred vibration, I have nothing more to share with you other than my appreciation and encouragement. Like once you can hear the voice of the universe pouring out from your heart through your own individual voice, I'm just like, okay, here's the rest of your money back. Like that's how to deliver a beautiful TED talk. That is how to ask your boss for a raise. That is how to parent your child from a place of um, divine support. That is how to look at yourself in the mirror and give yourself the words to self-nourish through whatever challenge you might be finding in your life at that time. I cannot coach you on how to speak. I can only coach you on how to listen and based on what we listen what we hear together how we listen together is how we shape the remainder of the coaching then we get into practical nitty-gritty like oh what do you hear oh it sounds like i'm out of breath great air is free take another breath that kind of mechanical stuff becomes very very surface and almost funny to to talk about like oh of course i could take another breath why didn't i feel like i could and we can dig into there. So many reasons why we don't feel like we can source ourselves adequately. But that's all secondary to the primary pursuit of finding divinity in each of our voices out loud 
as they are right now, no changes, no compensations, no further coaching required. Wow. I'm completely flashed right now by your explanation. I think this is just all so incredible. And if I have to say something like, I don't even know where to start, what to say. <laughs> I don't know how to piggyback back onto that. I cannot articulate the way how you are so eloquently articulate yourself and what you are doing. And it just, I just want to just sit in front of you and just stare at you the whole time while you talk. <laughs> Because it's like, I'm literally in awe and like, yes, I can not fall asleep, but I can listen to that forever. I feel so blessed. Thank you for saying that. I, I'm laughing because one of the ways that I integrate companionship and communion, really, that is like soul to soul communication is by full body laughing. So I hope you can, you can imagine that we're sitting together and I just had a full body vibration via laughter. I love to it. Put together all of those beautiful words you gifted me with. Thank you, Sabina. Of course. And I mean, um, I think it's, the other thing that came to my mind is, well, if public speaking is the, the worst fear that people have, number one before snakes and what was it, car accidents? Um, fear of drowning. Oh, fear of drowning. Yeah, or death by drowning. Really. Then maybe <laughs> there's a really... Stuff there should be a really good niche then to become a public speaker, right? Because there's not a lot of people doing it. <laughs> One would think. The One fear, think. however, is so is so omnipresent. If you can imagine uh, a problem that that everyone encounters, but no one has ever thought could be solved, eventually we start to ignore the problem. It's like a hot day. You're standing outside on a hot day. And it's just hot and you're dripping sweat. Everyone around you is dripping sweat, but no one thinks turn on the air conditioner because you're outside. No one thinks, oh, let's make the air cooler. Clearly this is a problem. This yeah. is an inconvenience at, at, le at least. Let's change our circumstances. No one thinks that because that's ridiculous. As soon as I say, yes, you're outside, you're sweating and why didn't someone turn on the air conditioner you're like that's not a solution to this problem so in a way that's the that's the conundrum of public speaking and kind of having a niche but not having a niche that is the service that i offer uh, in many people's minds is equivalent to air conditioning the world hmm. like you mean we don't have to live this way that is the first objection that i hear from potential clients is Isn't my voice fine? I'm talking. I've been talking my whole life. And I'm not trying to tell people that there's a problem. I don't believe in fear-based marketing techniques. I'm not going to tell you that your voice isn't good enough. I actually think the very opposite. It's, it's more of a, a realization that it's a divine assignment to refine your voice. And to say that anyone could help you with your divine assignment, people don't see that as a problem. They might feel inadequate or behind or that they should be doing more. Like, oh, I should be working on my voice or, or I should be working on that fear or I should be 
less shaky when I speak, or they will have a wish. I wish I was less nervous at the board meeting. I wish I felt like speaking up around my spouse. I wish that one person at the gym that I could just go up to and talk to them. They'll have a wish, but they just like air conditioning the world, they won't know that there's an, a fairly simple solution or a way to grant that wish. So if I had a, if I had a problem, quote unquote, getting clients um, or not getting clients, but addressing that most frequent objection from potential clients, it would be simultaneously telling them that their voice is perfect right now and then telling them also that any refinement that they do to their listening will automatically refine their voice, will automatically refine and focus their impact on the world. So I don't know if that addresses um, the question in your statement there, but that's something definitely that I've experienced time and time again. What I would love to know is if you've ever given a recommendation to the client to do the trick that everybody talks about on TV, movies, is does it really help to imagine that your audience is naked? (laughs) That's, you know, I think that's gone viral because it's so provocative. And it has a lot to do with reinforcing some themes around body shaming and Mm. sex shaming. That is to say, if you if we if we say that it should make us feel more confident or strong or dominant, perhaps by picturing the rest of the audience naked, that's to equate vulnerability or weakness or subordinate role with nudity. And I don't subscribe to that belief, and I don't I don't see fit to reinforce it, um, or that you have dominance because you know, for the same reasons, but without body shaming, but sex shaming. Um, So I think that particular statement, hot take, everybody listening, hot take ahead. uh, I think the reason why that has become so commonplace to recommend is because it, it tugs on the conditioning that we've all received so thoroughly about how our bodies are something to be hidden. And if an entire audience is showing you theirs, then aren't you safer than them? Yeah, it's just such an odd concept. Like, I don't even know who who came up with that in the first place and thought that it would be a good idea. Um, it reminds yeah. me of the reason I really, well, there are a lot of reasons why I don't enjoy politics, but we won't get into all of those. But one thing that I really do not... Um, appreciate is, you know, rather than standing and saying, okay, I'm Jamie and I'm running for president. I am not running for president, by the way, please don't take that out of context, but here's, here are all the reasons why I feel this is a good role for me. Here is based on my own merit where I would do a great job and would love your vote rather than I am Jamie, I am running for president. Sabina is also running for president. And let me tell you all the ways she fucks it up so that I don't look bad. 
right? So that, you know, by slinging mud at my opponent, somehow that elevates me or makes me look better, right? Yes, yes, yes. So why is that such a popular strategy? I know exactly why. Oh, I don't like it. And it makes me fucking furious. But, but it also tugs on a shared vulnerability, shared meaning all humans have this vulnerability. So I also find it fascinating. It is infuriating and fascinating, very much like a dumpster fire. So here we go. (laughs) This is what it is. If... (laughs) If we go back to, I think, one of the first topics we broached together, which is that double-edged sword of our greatest fear is that we will be heard. And our greatest fear is that we are unheard. If you have to stand up at a podium and say, me, 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 also me, me, Jamie, me, 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 role, me, president, me, and there's that's that, that fear you're tugging on really strongly is they're listening to me. I will be heard. So that's terrifying. But if you throw throw the attention, knowing that you are being heard, if you throw the attention, the negative attention, but attention in any case, let's just have attention as neutral. If you throw the attention away from your direction, you are assuaging that fear that you are being heard in that moment. Similarly. Mm. Once again, you're standing up at the podium and you're like, me, 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 Jamie, me, roll, me, president, me, me, me. And you're throwing the attention away from you. That's like, oh my gosh, I'm throwing the attention away from me. I'm not being heard. But you're allowing that attention to be oriented with you as the preferential candidate. Then that fear is assuaged. So it is the most fucking cowardly thing yeah however it is so effective well and that's how the world cowardly, cowardly is my own judgment word clearly i i don't appreciate that particular tactic but i i don't appreciate it in my leaders but can i appreciate it as a strategist absolutely <laughs> yeah if yeah. i had no morals i'd be like yes everybody do that it is really 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 effective so cool. interesting it's super interesting and i think that's just unfortunately how most of the time the world runs right and what we have to move away from that is my hope so if my work is is impactful at all my hope is that everyone that this work supports well my my belief is that everyone that this work supports because i can't let me back up for a second and say that if I'm working in this realm of voice for any expanded reason, that is anything other than my one-on-one work helping individuals feel stronger and more confident in their voices, if it has any broader impact than that, I would say that when we listen better inside ourselves as individuals, it has that effect of mutuality. That as we listen better, we communicate better, other people that we are relating to, communicating with, also listen better and communicate more clearly. And that creates a ripple effect that even if the people that my clients are relating to and communicating with never come to me as clients, Mm -hmm. they will be forever impacted by the way that my clients communicate with them. 
And when they speak, as they listen, so too will the people that they are communicating with feel a shift in their attention, their listening, and their speaking. And maybe it has diminishing returns the farther out we go. But when I zoom out, I see that my work in this seemingly very small way is my bid for a more compassionate world. Yeah. I believe that. And I think it it does show. If you make a shift within yourself and your communication, you're also going to have followers, right, that have seen the positive effects on it. And I want to follow and step into your step into your shoes when it comes to communication. So I have seen that in my work as a as a leader or somebody that is leading a team as well. Um, how it just has a ripple effect on things, and it's just it's really beautiful, and that just gives you more confidence to even speak more clear within your voice and really voice what you want in this life and attractive. And I think once you start doing that, people are attracted to you and not pushed away because it is not selfish. It is just a truth. And it's your Ooh, truth. I'm going to, I got another hot take for us, Sabina. <laughs> that is, I, I'm, I'm serious. So people are pushed away by the truth. They are pushed away. I'm gonna say that. I'm going to say that one more not time. Ready because- for it. Well, there are so many reasons to avoid looking at the truth of a situation. Uh, Just as a kind of physical surface level example, have you ever gotten a, a small injury, like you stubbed a toe or you barked your shin against a coffee table? Okay. And you turn your eyes away and you say to yourself, I don't want to look. No, I always want to look. You always want to look? Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever met somebody whose orientation of is course. to not look at that injury? Of course. Yeah, there's a really strong turn away, not in all of us, but in some of us. Mm-hmm. There are, my mother and my sister are preschool teachers, and some some <laughs> children, <laughs> I'd say all children really, end up skinning their knee at some point. and the amount of tears that come not from the initial injury, but that come from looking at the injury is the same, if not more. The shock, right? The shock value. Yeah. Or, or that's me or our, uh, you've all know a Harari in Sapiens talks about negativity bias. And this is something echoed in the works of oh gosh, so many, so many neuroscience writers about how we are the descendants of the most anxious motherfuckers that, (laughs) that came before us. (laughs) That the, (laughs) yeah, the early humans that were blissful and contented ended up dying because they weren't jumpy enough to get out of the way when something was going to kill them. So we say hypochondriac in in the pejorative, just like, oh my God, you're worried about nothing. But it is that very negativity bias that allowed generations of us to survive, which brought us here. 
So I'm grateful to my anxious ancestors for surviving all of the wild shit that was trying to kill all of us. But I also can lay them lay them to rest, lay some of their impulses to rest when I'm doing something like speaking on a stage or when I'm having a conversation on a podcast. I can say, the tiger isn't going to get me now. The pestilence isn't going to infect my water now. That mosquito bite isn't going to poison my system now. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. But I have the privilege now. I can stand on my ancestors' shoulders now and see a little bit further into the distant future where I can go, aha. Uh-huh. The problems of the past, while we can honor them and be mindful of them, don't have to color our present experience. That's the entire function of my executive executive brain at some junctures, where I just use all, <laughs> all of my um, prefrontal cortex power to just go, there's no tigers right now. This is an email. All of my decision-making, all of my quote-unquote higher brain function, I just point at my life is not in danger. Mm-hmm. When all the alarm bells start going off. So interesting when you talk about recoiling from the truth and, you know, this, this topic, because when this time last year, we were all together for International Women's Day and it's upon us again. And this year's theme is break the bias. And so, you know, a call to action to do exactly what you said, Sabina, and look, a call to action to not look away and to even one better Not only are we not looking away, but we're calling it out and we're, we're naming it when we see it. Yes. Yes. Let us make a distinction between not looking away and fixating. Mm. There is tragedy porn all over Instagram right now. And the media machine that is controlled by, mm, let's say, for-profit interests, for-profit, for-power interests, is working its ass off to keep our attention because that's how for-profit media works, right? (laughs) Their, Right. Their primary asset, their rev gen is our attention. So the more we get sucked into the addiction of tragedy porn, the more we turn into fixators instead of doing the courageous action of avoiding looking away, Mm. right? So we look at it. We say, this is the problem. This is the injury. This is the hurt. But we don't look at only that. We don't. We don't say, I'm just going to look at it and 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 look at it. Oh my God, I'm exhausted. I'm so overwhelmed. I can't do anything but take a nap and eat snacks. What we do instead is we go, aha, I'll take us again to the metaphor of the preschooler with a skinned knee. If that preschooler is looking at it and crying, 
eventually you're going to say, okay, my friend, let's walk it off. And we can all put ourselves in that, in that seat, right? Or in both seats of the supportive adult administering to this hurt preschooler and the preschooler themselves. We can go, okay, we're going to walk it off, my friend. We got to look around. We got to get back on the swing set or whatever. Because the, the restoration, the healing comes from, yes, assessing the injury, taking appropriate restorative action, but also from doing all the things that will support the healing of that injury. And that's not just physical, to nourish ourselves, our joy, our senses of humor, our communion with the divine, our connection with one another. Those are the things that create peace, not staring at the injury. So we look, we feel, we restore where possible, and then we do the actions necessary to support healing. And along the way, you will fuck up. And that's totally fine too, right? 100%. Yes. I, thank you for that, Sabina. I was, I had this thought and then we went on, we went on such a rich discussion beyond when I had the thought. So if I'm going to walk myself back a little bit and say that um, something else I hear a lot from clients is, oh, you sound so perfect. And there's all this comparison gymnastics that happens. Um, when people find out that I'm a voice coach and it, it gets very self-conscious all of a sudden. And again, in the spirit of don't fuck it up, actually not giving yourself the opportunity to take restorative action, which is to say, forcing yourself to never fuck it up, which is equivalent to saying forcing yourself to never take action because action necessarily causes impact, both intended and unintended, i.e. fucking it up. If you never give yourself a chance to unfuck it up by fucking it up in the first place, it is it is a little weird for me. I I follow you so closely on Instagram, and then I just I confess to that, and now I also told you that I just want to sit in front of you and just stare at you while you talk. <laughs> I I feel we said I feel a little bit like a stalker. <laughs> Like a stalker from really far away. Listen. I am really far away. Listen, But if loving I, attention is stalking, I am stalking <laughs> both of you. Good. Like if, that, if, if, much. if our collective definition of stalking is I'm paying attention to you a lot because I think you're a fucking fascinating human, then I am stalking both of you and way more people. So That's so great. <laughs> um and and what i wanted to say is you know i have a i love all the things you say it at the same time though it makes me feel so conscious about my own internal voice because as yeah. i mentioned before you're so eloquent with your words and you know so you think so clearly about what you say next it, at least it appears to me Your words are picked so wisely, and um, I don't. You, you say wisely. See, I don't even speak English. My internal voice is telling me I right away I'm not good enough. I could never do public speaking. 
the way how you do it. And I, and here comes the comparison, right? It's in interesting what it does to us. Yeah. May I, may I give you some bold feedback just based on what you shared? Of course. Just a moment ago, Sabina, you said that it was inspiring to listen to me speak. And it also suggested some comparison to you that you think, oh, I could never be so compelling or such a good public speaker. I don't remember exactly what you said, but the the kernel of your statement was this feeling of worry or nervousness regarding the way that you sound or the words that you choose. And just in that statement of purpose, focused through the lens of this podcast experience, you delivered a perfectly clear, open-hearted, powerful statement from your heart. So just to tug on that thread a little bit, what was the feeling inside yourself? Oh, that's like as you were as you were speaking. That's really clear. It's like you're sitting on a warm fireplace with a coffee in your hand or a matcha in my case. Mm -hmm. And just um, feeling really comfortable, feeling really, really comfortable and feeling really warm inside. So, okay, let's that go with that. Mm -hmm. And what's the, what is the relationship you have with the words you are speaking? Once again, that's your purpose with the experience of this podcast and everything that supports its production. <laughs> you have to repeat that. I can't even yeah, process yeah. all those words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let me make a. That was my. That was my fault for making a no, no, complicated no. question. I'm trying to be very simple here. And what is your relationship to what you just said about your life purpose in this podcast? What is my relationship to this life purpose? I'm. I'm not fully married to it yet. I'm still trying to figure it out, right? But I feel like okay. Let me try to. It's a question. really loving. So, it's a really loving relationship that I have with myself right now. When I speak that, say truth. that again. I have a loving relationship with myself when I speak my truth. What? <laughs> yeah, it okay. feels really good. It feels really, really good, and that's yeah. This podcast is really helping. To also deliver better with my clients, right? Because I feel so much more confident in what I say and it shadows in so many different directions. Okay, this is solid gold right here. So <laughs> that that sitting by the fire with a warm cup of matcha, totally safe, cocooned almost in a sense of warmth and safety and groundedness and nourishment. What you are feeling there. What you just described is that loving relationship with yourself and that connection you have to your inner truth and the support, the nourishment, the power that that gives you to deliver the same with your clients. Wow. I need to write that all down so I don't forget it. I mean, it. if only we were recording. So oh, yeah. the... the 
the thing I'd like to highlight for us is that in those comparison gymnastics, we were just talking through a moment ago where you said you're listening to me, I sound a certain way, you're evaluating that according to a particular set of standards or expectations. And you're saying, ah, I feel like I feel like I come up short. Yeah, like I, Sabina, feel like I, I maybe my English or my word choice or the way that I speak, maybe not not comparing well. But on the other hand, when you stop thinking about Stephanie and you start thinking about purpose, heart, that felt sense of being held and warmed and nourished, everything came out beautifully. And yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd make this further suggestion that it's not necessarily the comparison, although comparison is a killer, we know that. We have an, as soon as we focus outward, we activate our negativity bias. Mm-hmm. That's just facts. As soon as we focus outward, we know that outward attention to the outside world means that we're scanning for danger. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's not an option. That's just what we have to do because we're, we have evolved to be this way. However, when you turn your focus inward, when you listen deeply to yourself, then of course, everything you choose, everything that you say comes out quite clear. I take that a step further and say that you've had the length of this conversation, just a few minutes or an hour or whatever, to rehearse feeling nervous or worried or comparing, right? Mm -hmm. But how long have you had to listen to yourself and be in conversation with yourself in loving, open, spacious relationship with yourself regarding this podcast? Only a year. In other words, how long has that conversation been going on versus the conversation you're having about comparison with me? Yeah, that's very true. That's How a really new say? feeling. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like comparison ever since I've been, and you touched on that too, ever since you were this little kid, right? Being told you are too loud. You are not good enough. You are, look at the other girl. She's better in running. She's she's more agile. Look her clothes are fitting better. Um, tuck in your pants, you know, or tuck in your shirt. Um, like all those things has been going on for so many years as long as I can think probably and always compare my parents to that it's like they would compare me with other with other children or you know even they compared themselves with other families Mm -hmm. and the loving talk and the loving relationship that I've been having with myself really has only been a year Mm. even my no I, I've been working on that for a really long time already, probably for the past 10 years. But for the f- last year, since I've been having those different dialogues, it is something that I have, how do you say, like really cultivated within or um, I really lived in my truth, so to say. Mm, beautiful. I have a different perspective, if you'll allow me to come at of it course, from yeah. a different angle. That is, 
I am a pretty new entity. You and I are just talking in real time for the first time (laughs) in this very podcast. So any connections or comparisons you're making between you and me are novel. They are invented on the spot. They are brand new in the world or in your mind or in this conversation as of a few minutes to an hour. And even though your history with comparison conversations has been throughout your entire life as a as a protective intention from your parents, this conversation just with with me is just in the last hour or so. So the conversation that you've been having with yourself, with your life purpose, with your purpose of communicating and connecting with like-minded people has been going on for a year. That full year of conversation, because we're in this podcast now and you're in conversation with me now, that year of loving connection to yourself is way, way more than just this hour with me. Yeah. So when you express how you're feeling regarding comparison, that might come out a little jerky or unsure or unclear because you haven't had long to practice. That conversation just just began. And because it's a comparison conversation, we might decide like, yeah, we're not going to continue that conversation. (laughs) But this conversation that you've been having with yourself regarding this podcast has been going on for so long. Of course, it's clear and it's loving. So of course, it's a beautiful conversation. Of course, everything that you say with regard to this podcast will be strong and beautiful and confident and grounded and consistent because that conversation within yourself has been going on for a year. And that is a gift that too few of us give ourselves. The attention, the loving attention. And we know that love isn't always easy. Love comes with it a whole bunch of other things that don't feel easy or enjoyable or skillful. I feel like such a clumsy monkey whenever I'm having loving conversations with subject matter that I'm not familiar with. How do I get into an argument with my partner and and successfully get out without hurting each of us? That's clumsy. I'm not in that conversation for a very, 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 very long time. But the conversations that I am practiced at, where I am listening to my own heart, where I've been in this relationship for years, that shows every time I have that conversation out loud because of how long I've been having that conversation not out loud. Mm-hmm. Ah, so interesting to put it all in perspective. To be fair, I get I kind of get that a lot with, oh, you speak about voice so well. And the thing that I kind of want to grab people and shake them and say is, well, I freaking hope so. I've been thinking about this for 25 years, you know, like if I don't sound clear and confident and consistent in 
my perspectives on voice, then gosh, what was I doing for 25 years? Anything that you've been doing for 25 years, you probably got a really strong statement about. Whether that's easy breezy, like this is how you close a plastic bag or this is how you tie your shoelaces or this is how you do your hair. Anything that seems kind of mundane and silly, I mean, anything that you've been thinking about. It is, though, it is incredible that you have been pretty clear on the practice of it for 25 years and that you know this is your calling for 25 years and that you recognize that. I don't think I can say that I've been doing anything. Well, probably I can do something for that or I have been doing something for that long. But right now, in this moment, I cannot think about something that I have done for almost my my lifetime or half of my lifetime or I've been it's just yeah I'm trying to think right now I'm trying to yeah. go through the list you know that is a beautiful conversation I'm excited to hear what what comes of this topic inside yourself and this is something that I ask my clients. So this is another wonderful inroad. If you personally or anyone listening has a wish to dive inside, this is a wonderful entry point. That is full transparency. I have not been clear for these 25 years that voice work is my calling and my passion and my purpose on the planet. However, when I look back for my entire adult life, and I trace the through line of everything that I've done. I mean, I was a math teacher. I was a touring professional theater actor. I was an executive assistant. I've done such far-flung, seemingly disconnected things. I sold luxury handbags at Barney's New York. I mean, really. But, but there's the red at, theme in there, right? I would say so. It took a lot of self-reflection and it took a lot of continuing this conversation inside myself because I was really, really curious and persistent in keeping the conversation alive. What is the common thread between all of those things? Even at, when I was selling designer handbags at an upscale department store, what was I the best at? I was the best at communicating. Yeah. I was the best at telling a story about a particular product. I was the best at lighting people up inside themselves, creating a, a relationship with a product. Now I do that with people creating a relationship with their own voices and their own hearts. But the, the theme of it, the kernel of it was always the same. So tons and tons of soul searching to arrive at what I can now state to you very plainly, but I find the best answers are always the simplest, at least as simple as they can be, which may be still quite complex, but as simple as they can be. And I yeah. guarantee there's something, something for you there. I just, I just, when you mentioned, when you just mentioned how you were doing all those different jobs and I could just hear out right away and knew, oh, you did all those jobs and they all had one thing in common you had to be a communicator. 
you had to teach a class, you had to pull them in in order to follow the lectures and to make it engaging. You had to do the same at Barney's to be a really good salesperson. Um, and as a tour guide or touring actor, as you said, touring actor, right? Mm-hmm. You had to do the same thing. So um, it is a common theme. And for me, I remember as I was little, I was the girl in the street riding her bike up and down around the blocks. And I had friends anywhere. Like, And I would bring all the people together. I would be a teenager I would throw the biggest parties and bring all different kind of friend circles together. So people that didn't know each other knew each other after that. I would um, create communities. I would try to bring just always different departments together to start communicating, start talking. So I think if I can say that, like the common theme and something that I feel really comfortable with and where I don't even think about it. Not having fear of bringing people together and introducing them and, you know, creating a good time and creating a good good communication between all them. So I'm always looking for that, what else can we move as a bigger community? Beautiful. Okay, so this is really juicy stuff. We're going to dig <laughs> into one of the most common myths about what is public speaking. Public speaking is not standing on a stage, talking to an audience that are all seated before you. Public speaking is not, even though we're on a podcast, setting up a microphone and a recording apparatus and producing an audio file for distribution. It's not that. Public speaking is any time you're communicating information, whether that's artistic or logistical or anything, educational, To an audience, could be one person, could be yourself, could be a thousand people that wants to receive that information. That's it. That's public speaking. Yeah. Speaking in in front of anyone. And okay, we we can go a little further and maybe say that there is a quality of maybe an unknown entity there. So you're communicating with a stranger or somebody that you haven't met yet. Even so, public speaking, let's add that in. Public speaking is you saying out loud, communicating somehow information that your audience of somebody that you haven't met yet wants to receive. That's it. Mm -hmm. So as you're saying that you brought people together by having parties, by riding your bike up and down when you were little, by drawing together individuals that don't know each other yet, and maybe in your heart you think of the entire world as friends that haven't been introduced yet. And your job is to be the introducer, the networker, the connector. So your form of public speaking will never be to impress people or to make the battle cry, or to win people over, your voice, your heart, your center in public speaking will be in getting people to know and listen to each other as well as you. I'd say even in the vehicle of you, your speaking is what's gonna get people to listen to each other, not necessarily you, although you're the one with the podium at that time. And that orientation, that shift, uh, 
go ahead. I think you're I think you're on fire right now. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, you just blew my mind. You just blew my mind because I'm really trying to find my place within this world. I'm looking around for jobs. I'm having a job. I don't know if this is the right job for me. I'm like can't quite figure out what I'm going to do, where I fit in, what is the next position like? And you just put it right there in perspective. You just said, I'm a connector. I'm not a public speaker. I just want to bring people together to listen to each other, to listen to me while I say it, and to, yeah, see the whole world as a friend you haven't met yet. It's just, gosh, how do you do that? <laughs> this is something that I tell my clients and everybody that I speak to where we come across this topic together. That is, because <laughs> that's a, how do you do that is a question I think is a really important one to answer. It sounds a little bit just like a compliment. Maybe I could yeah. say, oh, thank you. It's nothing. It's not nothing. It's huge. And you pointed it out. So let's address it. How do I do that? I'm listening very deeply to myself in my own personal practice. I am ensuring thereby that what I communicate is as clear as it can possibly be at that time. It will be clearer in three months and in one year and in 10 years. But for right now, this is exactly as perfectly clear as I can make it. And therefore, when I listen to you, there is no static and I'm receiving what you're saying through the clarity of my own channel. It's beautiful. It's just simply beautiful. Stephanie, anything that you want to touch on, talk about International Women's Day or otherwise with the remaining time? Yes. Let me noodle on that for a moment. Okay. <laughs> So Sabina, I, I encourage you to have these conversations with yourself out loud whenever possible. Talk to yourself about any of the things that we just dove deep on, you and I. Okay. Okay. And, and listen best. to the sound of your voice as it comes out of your body. This goes for anybody, but specifically for you, Sabina. <laughs> with regard to the, the things you're finding about yourself and your strengths and your purpose, say them out loud. And there's a difference between what I call a, a nervous shake and a deep quaver. A mm. nervous shake is Holy shit, I'm saying something scary that maybe my upbringing or conditioning via society has warned me against. And I'm scared, but I am unshaken on a deep level. And then there's a deep quaver. And that deep quaver doesn't often make its way to the surface. You feel it inside your body. And that's when your root is being torn out of its ground. And I can I can say from my own experience, I won't say who or what or how this all 
this all fits into my life story, but I have loved ones who have a deep quaver in their voices because of how much they have denied themselves because they thought they had to. Mm -hmm. And their voice can sound perfectly clear and steady on the surface, but because they are people that I love and have long, long, long relationships with, I can hear it. Also because I'm a voice professional, I can hear it. So as you have these conversations with yourself out loud about your life purpose, no big deal. <laughs> Listen for when you feel like a, a, a deep shake, that, that deep quake that's like, oh, maybe part of a lie that you're telling yourself that wasn't given, that wasn't you to yourself, that was definitely given to you. Mm -hmm. Or if it's the surface level shake, which is the indicator of nervousness. And that's keep talking. Maybe you'll cry. Maybe that's okay. And that led me to one more question that I had for you is because I I do get a shaky voice when something is very, very important to me and I have to stand up for myself on that. And I tend to cry because it is so important to me and I feel so unsure of it. Yes. You know, yes. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, and I get those, um, I get the shaky voice a lot of times when I'm in front of a authority or somebody that's standing above me, so to say, in like the work environment, or if it also is to standing up to somebody who's very sure of themselves, even if it is friend, mm. but um, somebody who's very, very confident. Even I'm confident, but some somebody that's just stronger than me. And I always feel like, oh, I I know what he's talking about, but I don't know as much as he or she might be talking about. Yes. Okay. So why do we cry? Why do you feel shaky or even tearful when in the situations that you mentioned? Standing up for yourself saying something that you care a lot about, maybe standing up to an authority figure that you might have conflict with because you see something that they don't. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are hundreds of reasons why tears and shakiness could be happening. And mm -hmm. even though the, the thing that we see on the surface, the tears and the shakiness are the same, Tracing the roots down to what caused them could be very different. Mm -hmm. As a very, very general first place to look is, have you been having the conversation that you're trying to have out loud with yourself first? And if the answer is no, if the answer is the only time I've ever made this statement is right now in front of this authority figure, then that's, that's something to practice. That's something that you have full control over. Maybe if a situation comes up right in your face and you have to say something in that moment, that's not true. But usually for these high leverage conversations, we tend to be able to see them coming. Mm -hmm. And certainly if we have a strong feeling about something, we know about that before anybody knows that we feel that way. 
And that's the moment to excuse yourself, go to the bathroom if you can, or sit in your car or find a place where you can talk to yourself out loud is ideal and get your thoughts out and let yourself listen to yourself speaking out loud. In my experience, whenever we know we have to do something really important, that should probably not be the first time we've ever done it in the world. Sometimes we don't have a choice. Sometimes you're giving birth to a baby and you're like, well, I don't get a practice. But sometimes, like when it's a conversation, you can say, okay, I have to say this really important thing. <laughs> Funny story from my own life. I wrote my own wedding vows. Yes, I was married at one time. I'm now divorced. Throw me a party. That's not a sad story. But anyway, um, <laughs> the first time I said my wedding vows was at the fucking altar. And I thought to myself, I've read this so many times. I have memorized it. It is running through my mind. I know exactly what I wrote and what I am to say. And as soon as I heard my own voice saying those words that I thought I knew very well, I was a shaky, crying, mucus-covered mess. <laughs> Bless my photographer for making me look beautiful regardless. Oh However, God. that was a fatal error. Imagine if I was asking for a promotion. That would have been weird. So give yourself yeah. the gift of practice. If you have the luxury of a rehearsal, absolutely do it. You will never regret it. It is always time and energy well spent. Yeah, that's super valuable advice. And I think we don't do that enough to just have the conversation with ourselves. I also noticed that speaking into a microphone, hearing yourself back through headphones, hearing your actual voice, how you sound, right? Because just saying it out loud is one thing, but hearing it back at you too is another thing. So that has helped me too to, to be more confident, to, to, to really tune in and listen to myself and know what yeah. I'm saying. Sometimes yes. I don't, you know, how we, how we speak and sometimes you say something and a second later you don't even know what you said anymore. I think we so. can all relate to that. Yes. Yeah. If you'll allow me another metaphor, because I find that people are a lot more comfortable with visual metaphors than speaking of sound. We don't think of sound as something that textures our world, but of course it does. So back in the day before photography, was as widespread a phenomenon as it is, ubiquitous. In fact, everybody's got a camera in their hand. Uh, there was a time when it was thought that having your photo taken would steal a part of your soul. And this comes from that dissonance and horror of seeing you anywhere but within your own body and your own mind or in a reflection like here is this photo that i can hold in my hand that i can tear in half and it looks like me but it's not me because i'm me so how can i be out there this is very very early days of photography mm -hmm. but there was that mythos because it is horrifying to recognize yourself outside of yourself 
And only now are we entering into the age of ubiquity with voice in the same disembodied way. Commonly, I will say, because there was always, you know, a, not always, but there has been phonographs and tape recorders and those kinds of things. But now the same thing that keeps your, your cell phone, the same thing that keeps your camera close at hand, keeps your voice recorder close at hand. And so now we have these tools where I can record you, you can record me, I can play it back and listen to myself and listen to you. And there's a moment of dissonance and potentially horror when you press play and you go, oh my God, that's what I sound like. And eventually, just as we all did with selfies, we get used to it. And we figure out what angle we like and what tone of voice we like. There are audio filters to make you sound a certain way. I am staunchly against those, just in case anyone had a question. Yeah, we don't use those on our podcast, just FYI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is how we sound. Yeah. Yeah. And this is how, when you play yourself back, you start to embrace your vibration. Thank you, Jamie, for that beautiful prompt about International Women's Day. And hearkening back to earlier in our conversation when I said, I've never met anyone, any adult human that doesn't know what it's like to be silenced. That statement seems to suggest that we all get loud. And I'd like to clarify that that's not what I mean. There's a difference between being silenced and deciding for ourselves to stay silent. And there are great reasons for that, reasons that I might align with, and there are reasons that maybe I wouldn't agree with. But all of this is so individual, and we cannot decide for each other. We can only determine that for ourselves. What silence can you live with? And what silence will not stand with you? I find a tremendous difference between repression, that is somebody silencing me, and restraint, that is me deciding that I'm not going to speak on this particular subject. And they look the same from the outside. They both look like Stephanie not speaking. However, for us to truly come into the power that we wield, our birthright as divine vibrations manifest on earth. We must make the distinction inside ourselves dynamically. This changes with every moment of every day. What am I restrained on? Where do I say, no, my voice is not the one that will speak here. Maybe let other voices speak in the space. Or this is where I will break the silence. The silence that was placed upon me, I will break it by the means that I have learned, by the skill that I have honed, by the strength that I will call forth from the depths of my being. I will break this silence. The way we determine between what is repressed silence and what is our own choice and restraint is listening deeply inside ourselves 
And that is the work that I can support people to do. But ultimately, the work comes from within yourself. A great place to start is just talking out loud in an environment where you feel like you can say what's on your heart as mundane or as radical or as frustrated or whiny or loud or meek as you are. If you're familiar with The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, you know the practice of morning pages. My favorite quote from Julia Cameron is that these morning pages, kind of like a brain dump, you just longhand write three pages of whatever pours out of your brain that day. And she says very specifically, these pages are not art. They are just dumping out onto the page, getting out all the static or as much as you can so that you can approach the rest of your artistic life with greater clarity. And I'd say that we can do the same with our voices. Do the equivalent of morning pages, set a timer, three minutes maybe, and just talk. Don't stop talking. Let everything out. I don't know what to say. I feel so stupid. I'm in my closet. What is going on? Every time I talk, I feel like I'm sticking my foot in my mouth. My foot doesn't even taste good. When is the last time I washed my feet? I should really get a pedicure. You know what? That pedicure place down the street. No, no, no. Nobody's wearing masks down there. Should they be wearing masks? Are we over masks at this point? You know what? I should get a new mask. When is the last time I did laundry? Are my masks in the laundry? All of that. Just let it out. And eventually, you'll say something that shocks the shit out of you. And do it again and do it again, and do it again. And then reach out to me. I'd love to know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to know what sucks the shit out of you. That's what I've got. That's what I've got for International Women's Day and for every human listening to this podcast. Oh, so wonderful to talk to you both. You really get it out of me. (laughs) Oh, I love it. It When you just started talking like this really fast, it reminded me of Gilmore Girls. How she just always talks really fast. And she says everything that's on her mind. It's incredible. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to give it a try. I love the verbal morning pages. I've been yeah. through the artist way and the artist way at work. And I really love all of the prompts and the tools. So if you have not checked it out, it's a really great resource, both books. And... <laughs> but I've never thought of doing <laughs> verbal morning pages. So Stephanie, I will do that starting tomorrow. And I'll definitely let you know what crazy shit comes out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, what I want to know is the things that come out of your mouth that shock the shit out of you. I don't want to hear about your fucking worry about your laundry and you're bragging about your cat. And this new nail color that you're not sure matches with your pants. Like, I guarantee that stuff's going to come out too. And I'm not saying that I'm not interested because I love a good nail color. But I'm most interested in the things that I might not otherwise know about you that you are potentially just discovering about yourself. We should keep a tap on it. (laughs) Recurring theme in the Don't Fuck It Up podcast. You are so beautiful, Sabina. You are powerful. You have such a tremendous way of holding space and making connections. It has been a pleasure and an honor, really, truly. 
an honor to be in conversation with you. And Jamie, you know, I love you. You as well. This continued relationship has been a source of consistent nourishment. And I feel just really, really delighted. And to use a British expression, chuffed to bits every time you ask me to contribute what I can to the service you're offering to the world. So to both of you, my huge, huge thanks and a big, big hug. Thank you so much. I'm holding my hands on my heart right now as I'm listening to this because it really feels like this is such a powerful and great episode for National International Women's Day because we are uplifting our, each other as women right now. And I hope we can do that to many more. Okay. I guess that's our conversation. Thank you again, Jamie and Sabina. It's been a true pleasure. And as we say, until next time, Don't fuck it up. Don't fuck it up. You heard it. Mm-hmm.